As we come this week to the celebration of Transfiguration Sunday, in a time when we contemplate the transfiguration of Jesus, we are also standing on the precipice of Lent. Just as Jesus on the mountain was contemplating the direction of his life and what it would mean to follow the path that would lead to Jerusalem, so we too are called to contemplate our lives and what it means to follow Jesus. This is a time for intense reflection. A time for repentance, that word meaning a changing of our minds, a renewing of our minds, new thoughts, new directions. It's a time for resolve when we, we live into those commitments that we believe we made about who we are in our relationship with God and Jesus. It's a time for commitments to be made, decisions to be made. It's a time to think about what is our bedrock, to begin to determine and declare, this is what I will stake my life on. It is that kind of serious time. It's also a time for encouragement. We know that the, the Mount of Transfiguration is a time of encouragement. And so we find encouragement in this to move forward. In the early church, this was the time of preparing for baptism. As you begin to think about your faith and the commitment you were going to make, this was the time when, for lack of a better word, the catechism class was going on. Do you really make this commitment? Are you really engaged? Is this something you want to do? Do you understand what it means to follow Jesus? In the context of the work of God in Jesus Christ, this is a time that a fine edge is placed on our lives, on the direction of our lives. Will we move toward the cross with Jesus in faith that there will be a resurrection? Will we lose our lives in faith and hope that, that God will indeed restore our lives with the depth that gives our lives meaning? Yes, and even that God will make us so alive that our lives will actually become eternal. Jesus on the mountain contemplates his life, his purpose, his direction in the face of his death. Luke uses that word there. It, it says, talking about his departure, but the word there is actually the word for exodus. And so Jesus is speaking about his exodus, his death. If we desire to live lives of meaning and direction and purpose, we, like Jesus, need to contemplate our lives in the shadow of our own mortality. St. Benedict said, daily keep your death before your eyes. Parker Palmer said, now that may sound like a morbid practice, but I assure you it isn't. If you hold a healthy awareness of your own mortality, your eyes will be open to the glory and the grandeur of life. And that will evoke virtues like compassion, empathy, and hope. This event on the mountain and the season that we're entering presses on us the importance of paying attention to our lives and, yes, to our deaths. A time to experience what it means to be alive and finding value in the self that God created us to be. Socrates had it right when he said, an unexamined life is not worth living, but it is equally true that an unlived life is not worth ex examining. It is the time both to live and examine our lives. In today's text, we find Jesus doing this very thing, contemplating and dealing with the issues of his life, his death, and the direction and purpose for both of those realities. The context of the transfiguration can help and open up this event for us. As it's said there in that first verse, it's eight days after said, Jesus said this. Well, what Jesus had said was, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And in that we get Peter's great confession. 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said then, the Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, be killed, on the th and then on the third day raised to life. Jesus is saying, this is what it is to be the Messiah. This is the direction my life is moving. Now, Luke covers for Peter here in that he doesn't give Peter's denial. If you look in the other Gospels, Peter says, oh, Lord, may it never be. Luke is close to Peter, and so he doesn't bring that out to Peter. But we know that it was said because Jesus then goes on to say, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. It is decision time. And so you first have this, who do people say that I am? And this is what it means to be the son of man. This is what it means to be the Christ. You will suffer, be rejected, die, and then raised. And shortly after this passage of the transfiguration, we find Jesus really saying, I am ready to make that decision. And in Luke 9, 51, we get this wonderful verse that says, Jesus set his face like iron. Your text probably says resolutely to go to Jerusalem. But the translation is Jesus set his face like iron to go to Jerusalem. So in the first part of this before the transfiguration, we have Jesus saying, this is what it means to be the son of man. And after the Mount of Transfiguration, we'll find him really saying, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to Jerusalem. And it is in this between happenings that Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. Praise about the next step in his journey, his exodus, his death. God, is this really the course you have for me? There is no path for this. This is new ground. The being chosen to be the one of God, the lamb of God, and to understand that that means death. The law and the prophets have not traveled this far. They've given us good words. They've talked about the presence of God, but they have not traveled this far to be the very lamb of God. Jesus is seeking a confirmation on the mountain about his course and his understanding of his life. And he's looking for encouragement and strength. And we're told that on the mountain, he's transfigured. His face changes. His clothes become as bright as lightning. What are we going to do with that? What does that mean for us? Do we think we're seeing the intensity of God, of what it means to be close to God? Is God beginning to show through in Jesus? I say that to say there's a lot of bad theology that can come out of what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. We might be wise to be like the apostles and just observe it. We don't know what it means. We're not sure what all's there, but we know that something's going on. And so Jesus is transfigured and then Moses and Elijah appear. We are to understand in, in this that, that all that God has been doing up to now leads and confirms us to the person and the direction of Jesus. For this, for Jesus, this is confirmation and encouragement of his understanding of who he is and what his direction is. Moses represents that law that God has given us. And so the law was that that guided the people of Israel. Elijah represents the prophets, the one who declared the very presence of God and what God asked of us. Jesus found confirmation that his mission was indeed something that God was fashioning and molding. Jesus was on the right path. Jesus believed his mission to be an embodiment of all God had been saying and doing throughout history. There is a progression of history in the person and work of Jesus. There is an embodiment of all that God has done and more up to this time. He is greater than Moses. 
He is greater than Elijah. Jesus is greater than the law of the prophets. Of all that has occurred before now, this becomes the ultimate word of God to us. The course that leads Jesus to Jesus' suffering, his rejection, his death, and his ultimately his resurrection is a path of God's own making. Jesus was reassured of that. We are to see that in Jesus, the people of God find a new exodus, a new deliverance for us. In Jerusalem, God in Jesus is going to deliver God's people from a bondage greater than Egypt. God's people are being led from a bondage of law and sin into the promised land of grace. In the first exodus, God's people are freed from the enslavement of their bodies, but not the emotional and spiritual slavery of sin and alienation from our God. The law simply exposes that alienation. It does not solve it. The new exodus extends an invitation of the full freedom of forgiveness and life. It is God's grace at work in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah have shown up. This great transfiguration has happened. And then just as suddenly as it begun, Moses and Elijah are leaving. And Jesus is alone. Jesus, we're to understand, is the greater one. And the fulfillment of all that was partial. Only Jesus remains. His course has been set by God as the path to life. So Jesus knows that he will, in fact, set his face like iron to go to Jerusalem. There is no getting around that. That is his calling. That is his mission. That is his path of life. As Moses and Elijah are leaving, you know, Peter has this way of stepping in it. And he steps in it again and says, Lord, it's good we're here. Let's put up three houses and just stay. Uh, again, Luke covers for Peter by saying he didn't know what he was saying. He didn't mean it really. He was just kind of confused by all the lights and everything. Uh, he was, he was, it's okay. But in fact, Peter has again stepped into it. Peter is again trying to hold Jesus back just as he did when he said, may it never be that you're going to suffer, Lord. In effect, he's trying to keep Jesus for himself. Jesus came for, to the mountain for confirmation and strength to go back down the mountain and to walk his path in the valley. Peter had come to the mountain for escape. And so in the midst of Peter saying, it's good we're here, there's this cloud and this voice that shows up. We're to understand that the cloud, of course, is the Shekinah glory of God. It is God's very presence. And the voice this time is for us. If you remember in the baptism that we talked about a couple of months ago, uh, God is really talking to Jesus. You are my son. And here on the mountain, he says, this is my son, my chosen. You listen to him. And so this voice is for us. Jesus is that what we're to, the person we're to look to, the one we're to listen to. Jesus on the mountain finds and understands what he needs. He sets his face like iron to go to Jerusalem. Yes, the garden waits, and there will be that torment of the garden of, is this really my path? But because he's been on the mountain, he finds himself able to be faithful in that garden. Transfiguration. There's a lot here. But what mostly is here today for us is the challenge for you and me. What is our direction? What is our path that we're on? What commitments have we or are we willing to make? What are our faces set like iron toward? What do we find in the transfiguration? Are we simply on a journey to the grave, hoping for eternal life? Or is there something in the here and now that we're to do that will help us 
fill our, fulfill our purposes in our direction. It is so easy and actually comforting to be like the disciples at times. Stay sleepy. Seek a place to build some shelters. She, seek an escape from the difficulties of the valley. It is so much easier on the mountaintop. And the mountaintop comes with sleepiness, not being aware of what's going on around us. You see, there are crowds and there are challenges and there are problems and difficulties in the valley. That verse I read there in verse 37 says that when they got down, there was a large crowd waiting for them. If you remember what comes after that, there's some unhappy people down there because the disciples have been trying to throw a, 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 a cure a young boy and haven't been able to do it. People are upset. And so there are just challenges in the valley. There are people to engage. There are people who are unlovable, who we're to love. There are people who we have to forgive. And people have to forgive us. There are situations that demand everything we are and everything we have if we're going to engage the world the way that Jesus did. It is so much easier on the mountaintop. But God is creating a holy disturbance that just as he called Jesus off the mountaintop and said, this is your path, God creates a holy disturbance for us that calls up off of our mountaintops, our isolation booths, to a place and a path that is often challenging and hard but I would say it's also fulfilled with purpose and meaning. We move from the mountaintop today to Lent. Let us not miss the point of the transfiguration. The transfiguration is not meant to show us that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. That's what Epiphany has been about these last couple of months. The transfiguration is where we hear the confirmation that this new path that Jesus is blazing, as described in the response to Peter's confession, must suffer must die, must be rejected, and then raised. But that is God's way. That is God's plan. And in that confirmation, we are to find the strength to walk the path Jesus leads us on. And Jesus says it this way. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself or herself and take up his or her cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his or her life for me will save it. In our lives, in our fulfillment, in our callings, there is cross. There is also resurrection, but there is cross. We are to find in the person of Jesus the strength we need to walk the path that God calls us to, to engage the world in creative ways to make a difference. Just as in verse 37, there is the indicates that there's a valley of service and trials awaiting Jesus. So the world awaits us and our light, even as we enter Lent. Amen.